to the International Association of Business Communicators Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Zitnik. Today, we're going to discuss something that is relevant to all of us. My question is, is it time for a sea change? I have Morton Dahl from Microsoft and Mike Pounceford from Coravel to delve into all those tricky life questions that are pertinent right now. Are we finding balance in the current environment? Is it time to shut off social media? And are we biased to too much digital? With employees being more productive than ever, rapidly changing environments, uncertainty, and the need for difficult conversations, who better than Morton and Mike? Morton is a senior customer success manager at Microsoft in Copenhagen. He's experienced in digital transformation, the whole hybrid work discussion and corporate communications. He's worked with brands such as Pandora, Carlsberg and the Copenhagen Business School. Mike is a past president of the IABC UK and Ireland, as well as respected for his work on organisational listening. He's currently delving into the topic of psychological safety, what it means to us and why it isn't about being brave. He also brings his expertise in working with clients such as Vodafone, TNT Express, and Walt Disney Company to the table. So welcome, Morton and Mike. It's so wonderful to have you on the IABC Amina podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Monique. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you. So maybe if we just start with a quick introduction from yourself there, Morton, and a little bit more depth on your background. It's just so fascinating. And Yeah, sure. Just so basically, I, I'm a kind of a trained communications manager and, and been working with the blue chip companies in, in Denmark the last 15 years. In my work, I've always been focused on building up internal communications, but also on a, a global platform in terms of how can you enable big organizations to communicate and collaborate. So that's what I've been into. Uh, and since I, I joined Microsoft recently, two and a half years ago, I'm all into how to, to, uh, to do change management, how to help people in the middle of a pandemic to get used to a new way of working and also next uh, wave coming, how to uh, embrace hybrid work. So that's basically what I'm doing. Absolutely fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your insights shortly about what you're hearing on the ground right now. And Mike? I've been running my own business called Curavel for 20 years now. Like Morton, my, my focus has been internal communication and change, as well as some of the, um, you mentioned some private sector companies that also work in the public sector and the third sector for organisations like the Department for the Environment, uh, Food and Rural Affairs, DEFRA and Oxfam in a, as a charity. I'm, I've kind of got a communication hat, but I've also got an organisation development hat. I've hold a practitioner certificate in OD from the NTL Institute of Applied Behavioural Science. I'm also a keen facilitator and I'm a certified facilitator from the International Association of Facilitators, which is a, it's a posh way, I guess, of saying I like working with people. I like getting groups together and producing, you know, having a good conversation and getting a good outcome from it. And as you said, I've been doing a lot of work into listening recently, uh, which uh, some of the IABC folk will be familiar with because of the, the reports we've published. I think that's something we all have in, in common is enjoying working with other people. And through what you've been doing recently, Mike, I'm really interested to hear what you've been seeing in relation to how people are working and what employees want right now. The themes that come through for me from what we're hearing from people as a result of what they've been through for the last 18 months are issues like 
that they're what you'd expect to hear. People want more flexibility because we had such, a, we've been through such a change. We've seen how different things can be, and they want that to continue. So they want more flexible working. But there's also this issue. And Morton, you picked up in some of your research of yes, we want to be flexible. We want to work from home, but we also want to be connected and human and being with other people. So there's a bit of kind of wanting two things that might might not necessarily be the same thing, or, or might be difficult to to make them connect. Diversity and inclusion is a theme that comes up a lot. There's a, a report published recently by PECON that said that something like there's a, an extra sort of 38% of comments they're looking at from various, all the things they do, saying that people are talking much more about diversity and inclusion, probably, you know, as a result of Black Lives Matter thing that, that sort of made it much more topical. The health and well-being theme is, comes through strongly, you know, suddenly in the last year and a half we we've become so much more conscious of the the stresses that people have been under through working in this new way so we're much more aware of the mental health issues and the well-being issues and of course you know the the ongoing need for people have for continuing to grow and and how am i going to grow actually in in you know the way work might evolve because we, there's a and i know we'll come on to this there's a lot of uncertainty of what that might look like i think so those are the kind of things that i hear people talking about and i pick up on and Morton? Well, I think it, it absolutely resonates pretty well with, with the, what I'm hearing and, and picking up and also in, in our organization. And I think it also resonates well with the, some of the research that we have come through or come across. For instance, uh, where I work, Microsoft has done research together with Boston Consulting uh, and also Wharton University of Pennsylvania. And they did it in the middle of the pandemic and also at the, here at the end of the pandemic. And some of the, the, the big themes that, that came pretty early on in the pandemic was that people, you know, they liked switching to, to work remote, but they kind of uh, seemed to, to lose some sense of purpose. So how to get the sense of purpose back, that is kind of top of the agenda that organizations are, are looking into right now, how to ma- maintain the company culture. And I think also what we have learned in the, the pandemic and, and the, we'll go into to the hybrid world is also how to make sure that the, you have the cohesion in teams uh, and how you make sure that you kind of break down the silos that have been established during uh, the pandemic. So there will be a lot of challenges uh, that, that we need to address uh, right now. And I think also what you see is that people would like to have the best from both worlds when we talk about remote work and also coming to, to an office if you are in an organization. So some of the things that people mentioned during the pandemic they liked and they wanted to continue would be you know, things like when you are working remote, you can have a more casual dressing, you would have more time for hobbies, you would have more time for your children if you have the, the flexibility to work remotely. People are also saying that they feel that they are bringing more the whole self to work when they are kind of more relaxed working also remotely from time to time. And certainly also things like, you know, when, when we work from home, some people also like to have, you know, their pet by their side. So all these are, are things that people would like to continue. But just as uh, mentioned by, by Mike, they also want to have the interactivity coming to work or coming to spaces where they meet people face to face. So so that are some of the challenges that, that we need to address, how to take the best from both worlds. One of the things that's coming out to me as well is that uncertainty. And as as you said, it's 
looking and sort of reevaluating and looking at the purpose. I was just speaking with Kwa, who uh, is a communication specialist who's in Vietnam, actually, and he was telling me this morning about the lockdown that they're in at the moment. They've just found out that there's another month of lockdown and it's a very hard lockdown and there's a lot of uncertainty as to I've had other people talk about should they stick to their jobs I've had other people decide to quit their corporate communications job and open up a cafe I guess from what I'm hearing is is the uncertainty and and that sense of purpose is something that people are having a lot of trouble grappling with what are your thoughts can I just 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 to build up upon it a bit and especially to pick up on this piece around purpose and giving more certainty when you talked about that, I was reminded of a story of a company it's got about 30,000 employees but they chose a hundred people who were at various levels some of them were the future what they perceived to be the future MDs in the business plus they took some of the members of their employee resource groups plus they took some of their high flyers plus they took some other people about 100 people and they said if you just think about what the last last year or so have been been like, what are the high points that you've experienced? What are your wishes for the future based upon that? And what sort of things should we do as a result? And the reason they did that is they wanted to create, if you like, a vision for what work could be like in the future to provide that certainty. And the things that came out from that, similar to what we've been talking about, what came out was the, actually, if we think about how we got through this pandemic, one of the things that happened were the silos got broken down because we had to break them down quickly because we had to react so quickly. So we felt like we had a common purpose as an organisation for, for the first time in a long time. They talked about, you know, the things we talked about, health and well-being. They felt like it felt like, you know, I actually got to know my colleagues and my bosses in a way that I didn't, I wouldn't otherwise have done. I saw the pets in their home, as you you mentioned, Morton, or, or my the director's uh, headset got attacked by his puppy. So suddenly the person's much more human I can... I can, I, I can see what they're like. And the other thing is that, you know, we, we actually buried presenteeism as a result of what we did in the last thing. We buried the idea that you have to be at the office and we demonstrated that we can be productive and effective in working a completely different way. So the, so the vision we've got is for something that's radically different from what we've had in the past. And let's not, let's not lose that experience as we go forward. And but that idea of actually learning from people as to what we what, what are the good points of what we've been through and, and using that to create a kind of vision and a clear purpose of what we want in the future was, was quite helpful. There's another aspect to the story which we might come on to, but I thought that I just thought it really illustrated some of the points that we've been talking about. That's so interesting. And Morton? Yeah, I, w- I was wondering, Mike, how, how you see uh, more of the managerial aspects in, in this, because I think there is a, t- a distinction between, you know, an organization with employees and managers. From what we can see, they have managed differently during the pandemic. And uh, we can also see that, that it seems that managers are saying that they basically don't have all the tools to run a team remotely. So it, it seems like it's, it's kind of new challenges that, that are arising from this hybrid world where you would have to get used to to the fact that people are not in the same room. So how do you manage people with, with some of the room and some are being remote? I think it's one of the biggest challenges that any of us have faced, actually. It's a great opportunity, but, but major challenges too. And I think it's really stretching. It doesn't just stretch employees, it's stretching managers. And so, for instance, we have to be much clearer about what it is that we want people to deliver we have to be really clear on the outcomes that we want. Now, sometimes that's easy to do. Sometimes it's much harder to do that. 
But, you know, we don't give people clarity around outcomes. It's very difficult to manage at a distance and remotely. Often the managers have the tools, but the employees don't have the tools. And that can be that can be another major issue for people. And that, in fact, that was something that came out of that story I was telling. There was kind of one of the things that surfaced was that actually our IT department doesn't allow people to have the kit they need to have at home in order to be able to work from home. So we've got to change the policies. And, and, it's only, and, if, we, and if we're not talking between the departments to make these things happen we're not going to we're not going to be able to deliver that and i agree completely i've sort of just finishing up with a whole series of interviews and focus groups with one of our clients looking at internal communications across their global company and one of the key things is that during the pandemic uh, the employees have been given microsoft teams and they have no idea how to use it aside from for video conferencing and so the technology and the comfort with with using these digital tools is definitely something that's standing in their way of communicating effectively and then it leaves them feeling confused and lost and then the managers are, are focusing on productivity so so how many how many numbers how many hours in the day are they clocked on on the computer and i think you've got some really interesting stats there morton about productivity levels over the past year absolutely and we have plenty of them uh, that we could see uh, from from data and seeing for instance how people were operating on on microsoft platforms and not repeating too, too many boring uh, stats, I just want to mention that overall, it seems that many organizations, they have been overperforming in, in terms of productivity. And I think uh, many leaders and managers have been taken by surprise to see that the people working remotely, oftentimes uh, the whole or the entire organization, they have been more productive than they would be if they were on site in, in the company. So I think there has been a, a kind of a change in perception of um, normally you would have organizations where you would have managers saying, if I see you, you work. If I don't see you, I assume you're not working. So, so that notion is kind of changed completely because you can see from data that people are effective. You can see from data that people are having more meetings than they would have at the office. You could also see that they are having more chats. They are sending more emails. And you can also trace that they have more customer meetings, for instance. So, so there's been kind of a uh, productivity in many organizations globally. So, so actually in some organizations, including Microsoft, it, it seems that there has been a, a, a worry that, that there would be kind of burnout because they could see people were actually overperforming. So instead of being low productivity, it was uh, over productivity that, that could be seen in the organizations. So that's in- interesting. I would have thought that most organizations would be happy to have increased productivity. Yeah, but now, now you need to, to make sure, you know, uh, also Mike talking about well-being and health. How can you actually make this a sustainable solution when you have in future a hybrid situation where you would come to office some, some days and you would be working remotely? So, so you have to embrace the, the notion that your office space no longer stops at, at the office. You, you can no longer assume physical presence of, of meeting attendees. How do you plan for that? How do you make people feel interactive in meetings if, if some are in the room and other people are, are remotely participating? And also the fact that you, you need to, to embrace balance between synchronous and also asynchronous collaboration. Because sometimes you will be in a face-to-face meeting, but uh, some of the time you will be working asynchronous with your colleagues. Perhaps they will also be in different time zones. 
So how do you embrace that as well? So basically, this is also why leaders, they kind of need to have a plan for the organizations so they can kind of uh, empower uh, physical spaces and also the technological solutions. And also, as you mentioned, uh, Monique, um, also making sure that people and leaders actually know how to to work in a hybrid setup like this, if this is going to be a, a sustainable future. What you say really resonates with me because my, my, my daughter doesn't call it working from home. She calls it living at work. And she, and she hates it and she can't wait to get back into the office. You know, and, and so that stress and that burnout is really, really real for her. And I can see it. I can see it. And I've got two daughters who are both working like this. And they're both, as far as I'm concerned, working far too hard and working much longer hours than they should be working and would be working if they were in the office. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And how, and how is it fair so that, you know, if, you're, if you are at work and you're more visible, you don't get, get offered privileges and promotions and and opportunities that otherwise and I think that's that's going to be that's a really difficult thing for people to 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 manage and to work out so it, it raises questions about how we develop as you say new policies that are going to be fit for purpose in in, in the new world also what we're seeing with the organizations is that leadership is thinking how can we kind of make a a good policy or, or a mode for people to return because what we're also seeing would be that People who tend to be introverts, maybe they have a favor for being home much of the time. Whereas uh, the extrovert people, they would immediately go to the office because it's more lively. They would have conversations and meet people for, for a chat at the coffee machine. So that's also what leadership needs to embrace. How can we strike a balance that would make fit uh, everyone, although everyone is an individual? With both of your consultant hats on, where would you suggest managers even start to look at this with their team and, and maybe even more broadly organisations? Well, you know what I'm going to say. I'd, I'd start with employees. I'd start with listening to people because I don't think that you can, given, the, given what we're talking about, it's not something that the leadership team can come up with in terms of, a, of the right solution or the right approach. So, you know, you, you have to start by talking to people about what works for them, but you also have to think about what may work for them might not work for our customers. So we have to think about, you know, what's going to work for our customers too. And we, we have to think about the business. We have to think about, you know, what's going to make us an attractive place for other people to come and want to work here. So there's that whole kind of how do we make ourselves competitive uh, as well. So it's I suppose it's it's about listening. It's about listening to different stakeholders. And I, there's no silver bullet in terms of what the right solution is because it's going to depend upon the industry you're in and the needs of the particular types of people that you have working for you and the nature of the work that they do. I think a, a good starting point would also be to, uh, as, as Mike says, uh, listen to the organization. So what are some of the lessons learned? What are some of the best practices that you know, they, they have seen uh, during the pandemic they would like to continue and then build from there? From what I see in organizations, uh, there will be some are kind of uh, framing policies right now, but other organizations are waiting a bit and, and leaving it up to the individual teams to see what is, uh, is best for your team to do. So that at team level, they kind of decide what the hybrid work setup should be. So there's kind of a great variety in, in what our organizations are doing right now. To me, that, that suggests quite a sophisticated organization that can empower people to come up with solutions at the local level. Because I, th I think you're right. I think that, that makes eminent sense. But it involves a degree of trust, doesn't it, that the people are going to come up with solutions that are going to work. 
that's one of the things we've um, just done with uh, another client was have an overarching sort of communications guidelines of, of how things should work and how different channels should function and, and who manages what and then have a, a little mandate kind of guideline or form for managers to take to their team and, and get the agreement at the team level as to how, how they're going to operate as a team in this hybrid environment. One of the things that concerns me is the the different voices I hear about the whole hybrid thing. So I hear, and I can see from the data that you've got, Morton, you know, that the there's a huge, great demand for hybrid working. But there's lots of people, there's lots of voices saying we need to go back to how things used to be. Today, as we're you know, recording this, I, I read something on Sky News about an hour ago, James Dyson, the engineering entrepreneur, saying it's time for the government's call for everybody to go back to work. And, you know, you can't have this the kind of things we're talking about can't work. And he's not a lone voice. And it's a bit hard in some countries when it's fine maybe in Europe but in in Australia for example if you've got an international company half of Australia is in lockdown at the moment. Morton we've had some discussions on that what are your thoughts? Well I think it's it's very interesting what what Mike is saying and kind of um, reminds me what what I'm also hearing and and seeing is that it also gives some challenges in in terms of uh, retaining people and recruiting people because it's kind of planet earth has been in this uh, disruption together and it also opens up new opportunities. So if Mike is referring to companies saying, okay, let's go back to work, meaning go back to the workspace, you would also have other people saying, we like the flexibility. I will be looking for a company where I have this flexibility. So employees will be looking for, for this kind of a sustained flexibility opportunity. And also from an employer perspective, they would also have the opportunity to recruit globally. Because if you don't need to be in place on, on site, you could actually recruit people globally. So, so it also gives a competitive advantage if you have this flexibility and can be looking for talent globally. I was just reading something the other day. I can't remember if it was a Harvard Business Review, but it was calling it the great resignation because so many people are seeking that sea change. Again, it comes back to that uncertainty or finally discovering what's important to them in life. But one of the things I was really keen to speak with you about as well is sort of, again, this cultural side of things and the organizational listening. And also you mentioned burnout, Morton. I was wondering if we could delve into that topic a little bit. Yeah, maybe maybe Mike is also picking up some trends. But what I referred to was kind of based on data that, that you could see from some of the organizations using, in this case, Microsoft platforms. They, they could see from data uh, what the collaboration patterns for people would be. Some organizations, they would send out a poll asking people, how do you cope with the pandemic? And then they could actually combine it with looking into data that would actually show how people are operating on the computer. And, and I think, you know, these data actually helped many top managements to, to see that, okay, it seems that we, we are over the threshold that we've been very skeptic about. Because it seems that most of the time people are very effective working remotely. But now we, we seem to have some, some new concerns that this cannot continue. So, you know, you can do that and peak for a, for a period of time, but you can't continue overperforming like this uh, on a permanent basis. So uh, basically there would be, you know, C-level uh, people uh, embracing uh, how to cope with this uh, for, for a future model. Do you know what's interesting about that, Morton, is when I think of listening to, to people, I tend to think of, 
you know, you go out and listen, you ask people to talk about what they're doing. But what you're talking about is another way of listening to the organisation by monitoring the, the actual patterns of work and what have you. It's a way of listening to what's really happening in the business and, and learning lessons from that. And, and are, are you saying that as a result of that, there's a, there's a, there's recognition that we can be more productive in this new way of working, but B, there's also a sense that we need to be careful because people will get, it's like a piece of elastic. We don't want it to break if we stretch people too far. Exactly. So, so therefore, many of, of the organizations ahead of the pack will be looking into, as you mentioned, Mike, well-being and health. How do you kind of build a sustainable way of working in this hybrid setup if this hybrid world is kind of going to continue? That seems to be on, on the agenda at many organizations. One of my areas of interest is also communicating mental health at work and that they say that there's three types of organisations. You've got the very elementary who are basically saying, you've got to look after your health. You need to go and do yoga classes. You need to make sure that you don't work too much. And then you've got the mid-level organization that might offer the yoga classes and might start to do say reduced meeting times so people have those five minutes of break between online zoom meetings or online team meetings and then at the higher sort of more advanced level you actually have organizations where they own psychological safety and mental health from a health and safety point of view and managers are trained in how to say rotate staff through high stress level roles there's a whole lot of strategies that managers can be trained in also managers having an understanding of and appreciation of uh, mental health in employees and also customers so there's a whole spectrum there that an organization can sit on i think it's really important that you have leadership from the top role modeling and stressing the importance of these things and i only say that because if you some of the organizations that i've worked with in the past i know are not enlightened in the way that you're describing you know they wouldn't necessarily if anything the the people at the top level of the company seem to spend every hour they've got working you know they work work far too hard and they set an example that that's the way what you need to do to get on well and it requires quite um, an enlightened manager i remember the chief executive of lloyd's bank a number of years ago had a breakdown and as a result of that started to seriously think about how his leadership team and his employees needed to understand about the importance of mental health and and it was through him setting the example that they they made a difference and unfortunately i think it does need to come from the top down and so how do we create a safe environment for these conversations so I suppose I do think it, it has to start at the top. So if we just take up the issue of psychological safety, it needs a leadership that recognises that if we're going to work effectively, we need to be listening to each other. We need to make it, we need to make our workplace a place where people can speak up and speak out, given whatever their concerns may be. And that, that can be pretty tough to do. And the issue is not trying to encourage people to be brave, but trying to encourage people to... We can only be successful if we speak up. You know, whatever our industry, whether in, we're in medicine or whether we're in engineering or whether we're in creative industries, unless we speak up to highlight things that are going on that could damage patients or highlight deviances from processes that are going to cause quality problems or generate ideas that will help us to be more creative, unless we speak up, we can't achieve our purpose. And you have to kind of build that 
that philosophy into how we work from the top down. Speaking up is part of being effective. Psychological safety is not a, a, about being brave. It's about creating a culture where if you don't, if we don't speak up to each other, we can't be, we can't achieve what we want to, to do. And then you need to ask open questions. And and a third, I guess the third thing is not be kept re- really careful how you respond to what people say. So that when people do come up with ideas or when they challenge things, you don't jump down their throats, but you're open and you listen and you're you're ready to uh, to take on board their views. I think this is a very, very interesting, uh, Mike, and I, I certainly agree that is the way forward to, to speak up. And I certainly see some challenges doing that because if the new way of working is that we are not together physically, I certainly see some, some challenges for people being remotely. You have a new challenge how you kind of embrace Teams, organizations, is if uh, half of the organization is uh, remote, then then they tend to be you know less speaking out loud than, than if we were together in the same room on, on the same site. So I totally agree that would be the way forward, but I see some challenges having people speak out loud. In the, in the listening research, one of the things that came through in the third piece of it, when we did the global research, which was after the pandemic hit, it was highly noticeable how many people talked about the importance of leadership events. They were remote. They weren't face-to-face, they were virtual. Leadership events where people were given the opportunities to ask questions and they used tools like um, things like Slido and Mentimeter and other tools to, to encourage people to ask questions, to upvote questions, to surface the issues and all of those things. Do you have any suggestions there, Morton? Well, basically, there will be kind of two things. Actually, you have never seen so many uh, engagement tools available online. So that is kind of a jungle of things you can use. And Mike just mentioned a few. That's one thing. But I think also uh, touching upon the early discussion on leaders and, and their role, I think also leaders need to be equipped to run meetings in a hybrid setting. So so it takes also an, an extra effort for leaders and managers to actually drive engaging meetings. And engaging meetings will also be that people in the team speak out loud, that their voice are heard during a meeting. I'm smiling because I remember this is before before lockdown, sitting in a meeting and we had a guest presented. We had half the team was in a boardroom and we had a video conference wall and the rest of the team was sort of distributed across Australia. And our guest wasn't sure whether they should be presenting to us sitting at the table or should be facing the screen or they were just visibly uncomfortable and unsure how to to present in this hybrid environment and I do agree with you that it is a skill just as we've all learnt how to present on video that hybrid inclusion is also a challenge and that you don't have someone on a tablet in the middle of the board table trying to work out who's speaking or everyone talking at the video screen and not talking to the person next to them yeah because the person next to them is physical physical yeah and, and just to give you one aspect that i'm seeing and i think you are probably also uh, for instance when when we are in meetings it's also with customers and, and have a team or an audience if i'm kind of presenting something then the audience they would not be happy just listening to me they would be hammering questions in the chat and they would expect the chat to be responded to immediately so it's kind of a new setup you need to when you when you want to run engaging meet- meetings you would 
also have people who could address the chat and you would also be able to throw in polls and ask people what do you think of the uh, perspective being presented to you. So there's kind of a new wave of engagement coming into the meetings. So you will also see a lot of, of, of new tools that are kind of built to, uh, to boost engagement in meetings because that's also what people want to. They want to be active in, in a meeting. It means we need to relearn how to run meetings, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, it's, and it's sometimes quite difficult for people who've been in the business for a long time, very, in very senior position to, to be humble enough to recognise, actually, I can't just translate the way I used to do things to do it online. I need to, I might need some help. I might need a, somebody managing the technology for me. You know, I might need to put people into small rooms so they can talk amongst themselves and then come back. I might, I might need to work asynchronously much more than I currently do so we get lots of input before we even get together. Absolutely. I've come to one of my last questions. What can we personally do to switch off? And also keen to hear your final parting thoughts. Well, basically, I think some of this will, will come naturally because as you can also see from, from research and what people are saying is that they actually want to meet face-to-face. So when the lockdowns are removed, it seems that people, they will kind of go back to their circles and, and network and they will meet face to face again. So there will be kind of a, a natural uh, transition to, to more face to face togetherness, I think. I would imagine that it comes naturally. By the way, we could see from some research in, in New Zealand, because they were at some point ahead of the pack, that when the lockdown first time was released, they boosted their network again and their, their network activity. So some of it will come naturally, I think. I don't know what you see, Mike and, and Monique, in your circles. On the, on the how do I personally switch off or you know, how can I look after my own? One of the things that I'm a big fan of is mindfulness. I've been practicing it for 10 years now and um, I, I just find it really helpful. But, you know, it's not for everybody, obviously. So the basic things like exercise yoga, Pilates, whatever it may be, going for a walk in the woods. There's a, there's a great a walk in nature. There's a great BBC podcast by a guy called Michael Mosley called One Simple Thing. And he taught you the little 10 minute snippets about one simple thing that will help you that's scientifically proven. And one of the things is go for a walk in nature. It changes your brain chemistry. So on the, on the personal things that I find helpful, for me, it's mindfulness, but you know, some, just taking care of ourselves, I think is really important. I've got a, a little mindfulness app that I quite enjoy listening to called Smiling Mind and I run every second day. But Morton? Yeah, doing a walk is uh, one of the new habits I got during the pandemic. I used to, to be walking uh, one hour before starting the computer. Uh, and now after the summer holidays, I'm striving to, to keep that habit. But that would be one of the good ones. And final parting thoughts, Mike? You know you talk about sea change. I was thinking about what we've been through over the last 18 months, and I think it's more like a tsunami. And, and, and the reason I say that is, in a way, when, when it hit us, whenever it was in our different countries, it was kind of, you know, it just was like a tsunami. Everything changes. All the assumptions changed. It was quite clearly urgent that we did something. There was no, there was no control we had over stuff. It just happened to us in a, in a crazy way. And that's easier to manage because it's a crisis and it, it's really clear, you know, you've got to go home, you've got to work from home and what have you. But now it's like the waters are receding. And this is when it's really hard when we're trying to rebuild as the waters recede 
how we rebuild is going to be a little different from where we're, from the different places that we're in, from the ways we've been talking about. So for me, it was a, I suppose the tsunami metaphor came to mind when I thought about it. Easy in a way, not easy, but pretty dramatic, but at least you knew what was happening afterwards. How we shape the future is going to look very different in lots of different places and for lots of different organisations. And uh, your final thoughts there, Morton? Well, I basically think we have covered a lot and I think, you know, still a lot of dust in the air, still early days. So I think, you know, the, we, we are beginning to see the short term effect, but I think it's difficult to see what is the long term effect of this. And I'm sure there will be, you know, some big changes. And my final thought or passing, passing comment is consistency, I think, is where we need to focus for the moment people seem to be craving it i would like to thank you so much morton and mike it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and we've covered so so many angles on the topic of sea change hybrid work psychological safety personal tips as well um, as i said an absolute pleasure thank you Monique. thank you Monique. enjoyed it so much.